Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Praise the Lord. God is good. And all the time, amen. Again, 21 days of prayer. Today's message if you, uh, or focus, if you haven't prayed yet, is to declare the freedom of God in our lives. So make sure you take time to do that. Declare it over your loved ones, um, over yourself. We're making declarations. We're prophesying God's word over us. And so we, again, thank you for meeting with us. Um, as you're turning your Bibles to Joshua chapter 4, I want to just let you know, uh, as you're turning there, that our approach uh, to, the, to the coronavirus pandemic is not, um, we're not just falling in lock, lockstep with um, our state's uh, requirements, although we listen and we observe and we, we, we look at those. But we have been looking at our area, and um, it's been like super hot in our area the last few weeks. Uh, we have medical professionals that are part of our church family kind of keeping us in the loop. ICU beds are way beyond capacity right now. Um, and uh, in fact, the Department of Defense has sent support for the San Joaquin County medical workers, doctors and nurses and respiratory specialists to help uh, relieve our, those that typically serve here in our area because it's been so much work. So we are monitoring our area. We're looking at it week by week. God willing, we can open back um, in person with, with, the proper, with, with the appropriate measures next Sunday, but we will keep you advised. Just want to let you know our heart and wanted to be a good steward of you, uh, your family, and of our community. Um, Joshua chapter four, we are returning back. I'm so excited. We're doing something we've never done before at Thrive. Someone say amen. Yes, at home, amen. We are going to be studying and walking through the book of Joshua for as I, far as the eye can see. We, that is our sermon series, probably more than, not, more than likely for 2021. We believe God has put it on our hearts that we are to be a, we are a Joshua generation. It's a new day. It's a new season. It's a new land. Maybe you didn't relocate during the last 12 months. Maybe you did, but maybe you didn't. But the terrain is different all around us. There are new challenges. There are new adversaries. There are new potential pitfalls if we're not careful. It takes a, a new breed to serve Christ in this time and in this season. And we are born for such a time as this, so we're not afraid, but we want to be ready. We want to be assertive. In fact, I, fear shouldn't be in, in the equation, Christian. Fear, rebuke fear from your heart. If you've been feeling overwhelmed by the season, that's of the devil. That is not from the Lord. We should be feeling um, and a great anticipation. What is God going to do in my family, in my life, in my business, in my workplace? Because the times have changed, but the eternal God who is truth is with us still, still in the business of saving souls, healing marriages, delivering um, addictions and strongholds. Um, so we should be expecting God's up to something new. But hey, someone say hey. At home, say hey. Okay. New wine requires new wine skins. New power requires a new type of vessel. And so the day requires something new, so we have to change. We got to be prepared to receive it. Again, you were born for such a time as this, so you're the right person to receive it. If you have to make some adjustments, let's make it. 
because God is up to something good. Our sermon series is entitled Heart and Soul Truths from the Book of Joshua. Heart and Soul. Someone say heart and soul. So uh, heart in, in the uh, original language is, is lebab in, in Hebrew, and soul is nefesh. Now, um, we are to serve God and follow hard after him with all of our heart, and with all of our soul, these can be kind of technical. If you want to do a, uh, you know, uh, a word study that'll take a while, go to some, uh, go to, to lexicons and or biblical commentaries and look up soul and heart, look up spirit, look up mind, because these are very profound, deep um, um, terms to describe what we're made of. But just to simplify for our purposes is heart would be that, that part, that, that moral constitution, that, that, that seat of us with its emotions and its thoughts and its priorities that acts, that can act. And then our soul is that eternal part of us, that, 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 that essence of of us being alive, our very person, the essence of our personhood. And so God wants us to serve with our, the essence of who we are, getting utterly to the fabric of what makes you alive, that, that life force, that, 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 that eternal part of you that exists no matter what should be devoted to God. And then that part of us that, 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 that spurs us to act and to behave and to have convictions that we would follow God, we would serve him and love him with all of our heart and with all of our soul. So this series with its ups and downs and twists and turns, as we mine out the truths of Joshua, are going to be about allowing God to lead us heart and soul. That we would submit, someone say submit. That's not a bad word. Submit to the lordship of Christ. In other words, let him lead us heart and soul. With what constitutes our decision making and the very essence of who we are. Submitting to him heart and soul. I want to remind you something. See, we're going to go to Joshua chapter 4. We left off there uh, a little bit ago, a number of weeks ago, when God had, to, let me just set the table, God is leading the, Joshua and the people of Israel into Canaan. It's a new place. It's a new land. And he has just parted the waters of the Jordan, and they have crossed to the other side, entering Canaan. So essentially leaving the desert and the wilderness and entering into the promised land. And it echoes of the miracle that God did with the previous leader, Moses, when God had delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt and into the desert, out of bondage and into freedom. God does a similar miracle here. I want to let you know, family, that essentially, essentially, when God is working in our lives, because we're in 21 days of prayer, and you've been praying for things, you've been praying for people, I want you to know that the miracle is just the beginning. God wants to do more than a miracle for you. He wants to complete the miracle by transforming you, not just your circumstances. God doesn't want to just take care of your bill. He wants to transform you into trusting he is your provider no matter what. He doesn't want to just heal your body. He wants to reveal something transformative in you that frees you from the fear of illness and circumstances 
proving to you he is the great physician. The miracle isn't done when your cupboards are full. He's doing something within you that's going to last longer than however long that cupboard stays full. He wants to do something eternal in you. The miracle on the outside, in fact, friend, the miracle on the outside is not nearly as important as the miracle inside. Not nearly. That God would, that God would provide you with a job to quote unquote make, uh, meet your needs, your bills, your financial obligations is nothing near as important as us learning God is the provider. I can rely on God and not a, not a, a job market. I can rely on God and not the, the favor of a boss. Something breaks inside of us. A fear breaks inside of us. An anxiety breaks inside of us. That's when the miracle is completed. So we're going to go to this text that, that where we find the miracle is just about done. Joshua chapter 4, verses 14 through 24. Joshua chapter 4, verses 14 through 24, and it reads like this. That day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him all the days of his life, just as they had stood in awe of Moses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, command the priest carrying the ark of the covenant law to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest, come up out of the Jordan. And the priest came up out of the river, carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on the dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. On the 10th day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites in the future... When your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before, before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth, someone say, oh, all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear, someone say fear, fear the Lord your God. Heart and Soul is the series name, but the, me the message is entitled, Pace, Be a Pace Setter. Be a Pace Setter. Family, we need pace setters in the kingdom of God. We need people to set a tempo. We are celebrating Martin Luther King Jr. this week, and many of you will have Monday off, national holiday, as we commemorate the work of this man for racial justice in our nation. And anyone with any sense can look back at the 50s and the 60s as Martin Luther King set a pace for justice in our nation. Justice that was long overdue. He was a servant of the Lord for his hour. And one of his famous quotes from a sermon that he preached in the late 50s is, darkness cannot drive out darkness. 
Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. We need pace setters like Martin Luther King. He set a pace, nonviolent protests that turned the tide. The hand of God was on that work in our nation to eradicate particular laws and begin the process. It wasn't all done. We're still in process as a nation. But to begin the healthy healing process of, of, of uh, equality in our nation. And where there's sin, there will always be injustice. But he did a radical work. Why? He set the pace. Where some wanted to burn down buildings and, and, and call to arms, he set the pace of peaceful, peaceful protest that I believe God honored and worked. We need pace setters in the kingdom. We need people who are willing to go first. See, what a, what a pace setter does in a race is it sets a tempo for others to be successful. And the scriptures are replete with pace setters. One of my favorite passages is Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run. Someone say run. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We have a, a, a cloud of witnesses. There are grandmothers and great-grandfathers and, and pastors for centuries that, that gather and cheer. They set the pace for their time and they cheer for you and they cheer for me to run the race he's called us. We have to set the pace, not just for ourselves, but for others. What a pace setter in a, in a, in a long-distance race does is that that person, that man or woman, sets the pace, a healthy pace, someone say healthy, a healthy pace that leads to the best success that the other runners can have. Number one I want to share with you is that we have, the pace setter must know his or her purpose. We got to know our purpose. The world does not revolve around me. Chick-fil-A doesn't revolve around me. I got to get in line with everybody else. And in Manteca, that's a long line. In and out doesn't revolve around me. The world doesn't revolve around you. We have to know our role as pace setters. We run this race. See, this is exercise. I'm calling it exercise right now. This is as good as it gets for me. We got to run this race, not just so we can win, but so our children can win. So that our coworkers can win. Verse 14, that day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him all the days of his life, just as had, they had stood in awe of Moses. Joshua took his role as leader to set the pace for the people that God had called to walk alongside with him. The, the, the role of pace setter in a marathon is the key. Because there are false pace setters. Believe it or not, this is a thing in running. Is that there's a true pace setter that sets the pace for the entire uh, crew. And then there are pace setters that can run ahead and set an improper pace. 
an improper path where it burns people, the other runners out. They get tired. They, get, they, they don't run at their best. They might quit the race because they got going in an, in an unhealthy way. There are false pace setters. We have to be concerned that we are not a false pace setter. We must be a people of the word, of the book. We need to make sure we are running a race that it heeds the word so that those around us can also find their healthy pace in following after God. We need pace setters. Joshua was esteemed because he set a pace. Someone needs to set a pace. Someone needs to run and say, this is how we do it. Isn't that a song? This is how, God, there's, okay, worship team got it. All right. Someone's got to say, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Oh boy, I'm laying on heavy right now for somebody. Because sometimes we don't want, oh, I'm just a person. I'm just, you know, don't, don't look at me because who am I? You're a child of God. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your savior and devoted yourself to him, he has a way for you to run. And people are watching, the world is watching. It doesn't do any good for us to point and say, well, don't look at me, look at them. You have people in your life that are looking at you because you're the man, you're the woman of faith in their life, in the workplace. They may have never met someone who believes like you believe. And they're looking, how do I do it? How do I do the life of faith? What do I say yes to? What do I say no to? How do I be healthy? How do I, how do I develop my faith? We are pace setters. Answer the call to set the pace. Know your role. It's not all about us. It's about others around us and setting the pace for them to reach heaven, to know Christ. Set the pace of a healthy marriage to be an example for others. Set the pace on how to be a good steward of your finances for, for others. Set the pace of how to, how to be devoted to raising your children in a godly way as an example for others. Set the pace on how to deal with stress and chaos in society so you can be a pace setter for others. It's your calling. Church, we have to rise up. We have to answer the bell. We have to answer the call, knowing our calling. Number two, is that the pace setter doesn't move until God says go. He, he, there's, a, there's a divine ready, set, go. We gotta go when he says to go. This is actually a pretty funny verse. Verse 15, the Lord said to Joshua, command the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant law to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests come up out of the Jordan, and the priest came up out of the river carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord. So here's the scene. The priest had to go first, and as the priest entered into the Jordan, the waters parted. They came with the ark that carried the law. And as they stood in the middle, remember, we've done this, we've, we've gone over this. As they stood in the middle, the rest of the people crossed to the other side to safety. Now, can you imagine these priests, if I was one of these guys holding this and the last one goes, I'm getting ready to go. Can I get a witness? Because on my left and on my right are these waters. They're at flood stage. So they're super high on my left and on my right. And as faithful as God is, I'm not about to test him. 
I'm like, let's go, right? I'm ready to go. That was my little step. This is how we go. This is how we go. I'm ready to go. But they can't go till God says, go. Very critical. The key quality of a pace setter is the capacity to be still when the instinct is to run. Key quality of a disciple, a pace setter, is I'm going to be still even though everything inside of me is saying, I got to go, I got to move, I got to act. I'm in a perilous place and the ark and and the priests were in a perilous place. Naturally, someone say natural. Naturally speaking, they're in a perilous place. But they don't take their cues from the natural. They take their cues from the supernatural. And the pace setter for, for the, in the kingdom must take his cues, her cues, not from the circumstances. They can't say, okay, I'm done. I did my job. Now I'm going to go. The pace setter in the kingdom moves only when, if and only when, God says move. That means when you feel perilously lonely, you don't run into the arms of a man or woman. You're still. It means that when you feel perilously overlooked, you don't run and take glory or credit for yourself. It means that you are in the right position, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like. You don't run into unethical practices when you feel perilously positioned financially. The peril about you does not define your behavior. This is heart and this is soul. This is, I'm going to be morally constituted the way God wants me to be aligned. And I'm not going to fear what I see. I'm going to fear reverently who I don't see with my eyes, but I see with my heart. I follow his commands, his commands alone. I don't follow the commands of the enemy of my soul who wants to herd me into a cave or into a pit to my spiritual death, to my marriage, marital death, to my relational death. I will heed only the voice of God. I am ready. I am set. Everything inside me is tense and poised, and I'm completely aware of the perilousness of my predicament, but I resist the temptation to move ahead of him. I won't go till he says go. Go. We progress from being naturally motivated to being supernaturally motivated. Are you with me, family? Be a pace setter. Know your role. The pace setter doesn't move until God says move. Why? Why? Because the pace setter's movement makes things happen. We are sinners saved by grace, but once saved, we have the power and the person of the Holy Spirit in us. So when you speak, it matters more. What you do has a greater impact. Verse 18, no sooner had they set their feet on the dry ground 
Then the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. When the people of God speak, it has a great impact. It makes, listen, family, you on your keyboards, you on your social media, us followers of Jesus Christ, what we say, we must not be reckless because what we say has a greater impact for the good or for the bad. When we speak peace and with order and with wisdom and, and, and with scripture, it has a greater impact than just someone putting up something pithy and, and, and poetic. But when we cross the line into the carnality of our flesh, where we are, are reckless and careless and, he, and, 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 and unbridled and we lash out from anger or frustration or fear, because we're believers, it has a worse impact than just anybody doing such things. You have the freedom of your First Amendment. And that freedom does not guarantee blessing. I have the freedom to say whatever I want in this country. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You have the freedom to bless or to curse. You have the freedom to build up or tear down. Be a pace setter that understands the dynamic that comes being a son, daughter of God, the impact we have. See, your workplace is different because you're there. Your neighborhood is different because you're there. You were called into this new life and made for this day so that you could impact the world around you for his glory. There was, there's a, a, a story that I read, and it was, it was it, uh, a conversation between a, a mother camel and a baby camel in a zoo. And the little baby camel says, Mom, why do we have these two humps? And the mama camel said, that's because in the desert, we are able to carry water in those humps to last a long time. And then the baby camel asked, Mom, why do we have such long legs and round feet? I don't know if they're called feet, camel feet. I'm not sure. Hooves. And the, the mama camel said, well, because we are, we're, we're made so that we walk in the sand, we can, we can maneuver through the sand. And then the baby camel says, mom, why are our eyelashes so long? And the mama camel says, well, because when we're in the desert and there's a, when it's windy, the eyelashes protect our eyes from the sand blowing in and blinding us. So the baby camel looks at her. His mom and says, mom, with the humps and the, and the legs and the hooves and the eyelashes, what are we doing in the zoo? Some of us are stuck in the zoo. You're incarcerated with anger, fear, and you have the gifts of God that he's given you to run with freedom, to run with power, but you're incarcerated. We're not fulfilling the role God created us to fill. You have inside of you what you need to make it across a barren landscape. God has equipped you with the capacity to traverse dangerous dunes. He's even given you the capacity to see what all other creatures can't see. What are we doing locked up? 
What are we doing locked up in our inferiority complexes and our anxieties? God has set us free to do his good work. When God was delivering Moses and the Israelites, he was delivering, watch this, when God was delivering Moses and the Israelites, he was delivering them from Egypt. When God parted the Red Sea, he was delivering them from Egypt. Now when he divides the Jordan, he's delivering Joshua and his people into a new place. The miracle that God is doing in your life is not simply to have you escape from something, but to lead you into something. To lead you into parenting how you've never parented before. To lead you into being self-controlled like you've never been self-controlled before. He's, 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 he's divided the waters, not just so that we are no longer destined for hell, but we are now destined to live an abundant life here as we traverse the terrain on our way to heaven. See, the good of the past pales in comparison to the blessedness of our future. We're a priesthood of pace setters. When we move, something happens. I'm going to conclude here in a moment. Family, when you've set the pace, there's influence. When you're honest all the time, it breeds a culture of honesty. When you are self-restrained, it breeds a, a, a culture of self-control. When we are separated from the world and the things of this world, when the, when the Lord breaks the spell over our minds and our hearts, we are delivered and impact the world with holiness, with true peace, and with true freedom. Mothers and fathers, your words and actions inordinately impact your children. Christian, you inordinately impact your workplace. Young Christian, your witness and actions have an inordinate impact on your schools and on your Friends, the pace setter, listen to the, any believer who's been anxious over the last few months, the pace setter was never called to come from the White House or the governor's mansion. The pace setter was called to come from the church house. It was meant to be the people of God setting the pace. And we run this race with our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For, for many of us believers, we look around and we say, wow, things are unraveling. Things are not going well. We can admit that. We can agree with that. But let me tell you something, that where there's pressure, there's often revival. Where there's persecution, there's a steadfast church. This is the story of Christians throughout history. When there's fire, we come out refined like pure gold. If we'll stay true to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, if we stay true to the word, if we say no matter what, I am going to run the race he's called me to run. Why? The world is a revolve around me. This is going to shock some people, but the world, the, the universe does not revolve around America. God is at the center. The, the world and history revolves around him. 
And we are called as the church to set the pace. This is how we do it. This is how we hold our peace. This is how we stay generous. This is how we stay kind. This is how we forgive. As we run our race around the center of the universe until he calls us home, setting the pace for the generation behind us. Are you following me? I hope this is making sense. I'm going to end with this for real though, is that the pace setter runs for the glory of God. For the Lord your God right up the Jordan before you until you'd crossed over. Verse 24, go to verse 24. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. We don't run for our comfort. We don't run for a particular political bent, although let's be involved with politics as it pertains to the kingdom of God. Let's be people of conscience. But we do what we do. We share what we share. We act the way we act to the glory of God that you would pour your life, your, your tomorrow is not guaranteed, that you would pour your life out every ounce, every drop to glorify God. Not to bring glory to yourself, not to bring your glory to any man-made institution, not to bring any glory to any other person, any other man or woman, but only to bring glory to God. That is the kingdom pace setter. He runs for the glory of God, whether people come along or don't come along. This is really important this is really important. I believe that not just the U.S., but, but globally, the, the Western church, we were the, 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 the Western uh, church was the church of revival, and it was it, the Protestant movement came out of Europe, and, 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 and missionary movement was born out of Europe. And, but we, as the Western church, I believe, I hope someone follows me here, has lost its way in that for the last 20 years, we've been trying to make the gospel cult culturally relevant. And we've shared a gospel whose light has been dimmed. Try to make it comfortable Maybe make it comfortable for ourselves. I, I want to read just a quote to finish here. There's a great book called Disappearing Church by Mark Sayers, and he writes this. We cannot solely rely on the contemporary Western church's favorite strategy of cultural relevance in which Christianity and the church is made relevant to secular Western culture. Instead, we need to rediscover gospel resilience to walk the counter-cultural narrow path in which we die to ourselves and rethrone God in our lives as the supreme authority. This is the counter-cultural narrow path. Some people don't even like the fact that it says to fear the Lord. Can I just tell you, we are to fear the Lord. This goes counter-cultural. We want a God that just cuddly and cushy and 
We make him in the image of a great-grandmother, a great-grandfather that used to make us cookies. Can I tell you, I've said it before, he's the Lion of Judah. You don't tame him. We don't tame him. The pace setter submits to the narrow path that is the gospel. That we don't condemn others, we run our race. Why? Because although it's narrow, it's full of peace and it's full of power and it's full of grace. And that the way we run this race is attractive to the ones who have found themselves enticed and ensnared on the wider path. And they say, you can do that. You can live with self-restraint. You can put your faith in God. You can choose to trust there's a provider and not give way to fearful fits of paranoia and anxiety. I want what you have. And what we give them is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We say it is a narrow road, but it's worth running. Join me. No matter what, I'm running this race because it's to the glory of God that I run it. And once I breathe my last breath in this life, may he lead me heavenly home. Family, I love you. We're gonna be talking heart and soul for a while. I wanna encourage you. You have been called to be a pace setter. You've been called to be a pace setter. Understand what that means. Understand how that works. And let us be committed to submitting to the lordship, the leadership of God as expressed through his word. And let us run in such a way that others might join and find their way to the Lord. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.